0: who we are, Lord, in our lives as we just lay our burdens down at your feet. And you can say, hey, I'll take that. Whatever you're, all that stuff you're carrying around, let me, let me have that. And I, I believe that's your heart, Lord. Your word shows us that. And so be blessed today, Lord, as we just turn to you and continue to turn to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And thank you, Danny. That was some awesome worship. And good morning and welcome to church, and welcome to all our youth. It's Family Service Sunday, so it's great to have our, our teens in here with us this morning. Uh, my name's Justin. I'm here on these third Sundays with you, and it's my pleasure to dive into these verses for life together. These verses that we, as Pastor Dave and I have looked through throughout the scriptures, feel are, are verses you can stake your life on, something that you could take with you and, and you never want to forget. And uh, this morning it kind of comes to us through way of some of the best advice ever given, but have you ever noticed that there is some advice that people will give you that is much easier said than done, right? You know the type of advice, the other day I was talking with someone about losing weight and he goes, oh, losing weight is simple, you just don't eat bad food. And I said, yeah, thanks, I wish it was that simple, but there's some types of advice, right? Maybe you've heard, you know, I've heard someone give someone advice once, they said, oh, I hate my job, I don't like it, and the, his friend goes, well, why don't you just get a new one? And it's like, yeah, life isn't really that simple, bud. You know, the early bird gets the worm. Or uh, my favorite bit of advice to give people that's much simpler, much easier said than done is when they ask me dumb questions, I just go, have you Googled that? You know, and there's just that advice. One of my favorite uh, commercial series is from Hotels.com. And they have a guy named Captain Obvious. And Captain Obvious is my favorite because he just gives you the most obvious advice at the end of every commercial. And one of his, the last time I I saw or read one of his quotes was, "When life shuts a door on you, just open it up. That's how doors work." And it's like there's sometimes where you get that advice in life that it kind of, it almost gets under your skin because it's almost too simplistic and obvious. But in some sense, on the other hand, the best advice in life is obvious and is simplistic has to be, or else a guy like me could never follow any kind of bits of truth or or, or good advice. And in, in some way, I bring that up because this morning, Jesus is going to give us some of the most simplistic and obvious of advice about one of the most difficult and um, life-stealing topics I think you can come across in all the scriptures or that we come across in our daily lives. And on the surface, it's going to sound real simplistic to a problem that you know, honestly, it's a, a problem that steals more life from us than I think almost anything else. It's something that um, plagues us every day when we wake up. It's something that, uh, you know, it, it, it breaks down your health. It's something that makes you feel worse and makes you just not enjoy life. I'm not talking about waking up and going to work on Monday or school for the kids that are in here. But I'm talking about the idea of stress and worry. And Jesus is going to address stress and worry in a way that it almost sounds too simplistic. You know, if you want a nutshell of Jesus' teaching on, on, on stress and worry in our lives, it's this. He goes, don't worry about life, it's going to be okay. Kind of like Bob Marley, right? Don't worry about a thing because every little thing is going to be all right. Or don't worry, be happy. You know the old lyrics. And it's like, in some sense, Jesus is going to give us that one-liner, but in another way, in this verse for life, you're also going to find that unlike most of those popular songs, Jesus is going to give us something that we should be focusing our attention on. Not just a, what you don't want to do in life, not just the simplistic advice that is easier said than done, but also the advice on how you can actually live that out in a way that you can find your life can be a lot less worrisome, anxious, stress-ridden. And so if you have your Bibles, open up with me to Matthew chapter 6 this morning. And in Matthew chapter 6, as you guys are flipping there, those of you guys who are Bible students or have read your Bibles for a while, you're going to know that puts a smack dab in the middle of what we call the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount is perhaps one of Jesus' most famous teaching in all the scriptures. It's, it's a uh, Matthew chapter 5 through 7 where Jesus addresses his disciples in such a way that I guess you can call the the Sermon on the Mount is Jesus' teaching on what it's like to live with God's priorities in his kingdom. That's kind of the way he lays things out, what his priorities ultimately are in his kingdom. And as the king, he's there giving his address, his teaching on different things and aspects of life. And as you get into chapter 6, we're going to be in the last few verses, verses 33 through 34. But it helps to kind of have a little bit of the background and understand what he's been talking about so that when we jump into, and these are what I consider to be probably the most important, or at least the, the heart of the Sermon on the Mount, these two verses we're going to look at this morning. If you understand the background, you can understand what he's saying a lot easier. And the background kind of goes like this. He's talking about what we prioritize and look at in life as as our priorities. And he's talking about how those are different in his kingdom. In verse 1, if you go through and read that this week, you'll see he's talking to the Pharisees. And he says, you guys are doing your works of righteousness to be seen by men. He's essentially saying, look, what's your priority? What other people think of you or what God thinks of you? And he tells them to go do their acts of righteousness in private, in secret, on their own. And then he goes on and through. Um, he mentions in verse 21, he says, Where your heart is, there will your treasure be also. And in verse 24, he kind of continues to make this point. He says, look, you can't serve God and mammon or stuff or riches. You can't have God as a priority and riches in life as a priority as well. And then he gets to this section on worrying. In in verse 25, he begins to to talk to them about the things that they worry about in life. And his, his kind of point in the first few verses, as we get to our verses in verses 33 and 34, is to kind of point out that we worry about all kinds of things in life that don't take into account that God is there. And so he gives some illustrations and some examples. Those of you who have read this before and who are familiar with this passage, you know, in verse I love in verse 26, he says, Look at the birds of the air. You don't see them freaking, about, uh, freaking out over their 401ks. You don't see them worrying about who's going to win the next election. You don't see them fretting to store up everything. He goes, look at how God takes care of them. Yes, they work and they toil, but God still takes care of them. He says, look at the lilies of the field. And, and you'll notice that in all their beauty, when a flower comes to blossom, he's, he's arrayed them with more glory than Solomon was, the richest man of all time, arrayed in all of his glory and splendor. And his point is, look around you at life and notice that life goes on no matter what you're worrying about. God is there. He's paying attention. He's taking care of things. He's there for nature and his contrast or his point from that is, he's definitely going to be there for you. And in verse 27, he makes a great point about worry. He says, look, besides which one of you can add one cubit or one, one foot to your, your height by worrying? Like what does worry do for you in the end anyways? All those stresses, all those worries, all those nights you woke up or couldn't go to bed, all that anxiety, he goes, how much of that has actually changed things in your life? His point is, is it doesn't. In reality, what worry does is it changes us for the worse. You know, it was not too long ago, I read a study, and it says one out of every 10 things that we actually worry about will ever come to pass. If you've ever seen Dumb and Dumber, you're like, so you're saying there's a chance. It's like, yeah, so there's a chance. There's a one in 10 chance that the things you're worrying about will ever come to pass. But they did another study on those one in 10 things. And they found that out of the 10% of things that will actually happen, 80% of that will happen in a way that was a lot easier or more mellow than you ever thought was going to happen. You know, you ever had something happen, you go, oh, that wasn't as bad as I thought. So you're saying there's a 2% chance that something could happen, and that could be as bad as I expected to happen, yes, but they continued on the study. When you add in the toll that stress and worry takes on your body, physically, as it raises your cortisone levels, as you stress about things, and it breaks down your, they found that, that stressed out people, worriers, are more likely to get sick, more likely to have cancer, more likely to have heart disease, more likely to have depression, more likely to have anxiety and panic attacks and all those things, as you take all the results from the worry and stress for that 2% of things that is actually going to happen, the result is, is that the results of stress and worry on your body are worse than anything that would ever happen to you. And that's kind of the way it's going. Jesus is going, look, what is worrying even doing in your life? What is all the stressing out that you guys have about, and, and, and he's talking to them about some of the most basic things in life, getting your bills paid, he's talking to them about their food, he's talking to them about their clothing and what they look like, and he's going, what is worrying about your image? What is worrying about other, what other people think of you? What is worrying about this, that, or the other actually do for you? And he's going, nothing. And your worry in the end isn't going to change anything. So now that's the background as we kind of come up to verses 33 and 34. As I said, Jesus is going to give us a bit of a simplistic view on worry. And it it kind of comes down to this. Don't worry about anything. It's all going to be all right. But before he does that in verse 33, he kind of gives us what he really wants us to be focusing on. Let's look at verses 33 and 34 together. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. I love this. I love this because Jesus is now taking something so problematic, this idea of the things we worry about and stress over in life, and he's breaking it down in a way that's that's really, it's simple and it's livable. It's not like he's just some hippie who just walks out and just goes, peace, man, don't worry about anything. And then he just hops in his Volkswagen van and heads on down the highway. No, Jesus is going, look, I got something way better than that. It's not just don't worry about a thing. Okay, the song's over and keep going on. It's like, no, I have something that you should actually be focusing on. And if you can learn to focus on this, then you're going to be dealing with your worries and anxieties in life. And so he says, seek first, in verse 33, the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That word there for seek first, that idea there is, it's the Greek word zeteo. It's like the idea of of having something as your, it's a strong desire, it's an ultimate goal, it's something you're looking after, it's something that you're, you're aiming for. If you would, it's your ultimate priority. And what he's saying is, and this is kind of what we need to understand about worry. Worry, if you really want to understand the things you worry about, You need to understand your priorities in life. And that's kind of what this chapter has been all about. He's going, if you go back to the Pharisees, look, you guys are worried about what other people think of you and your image in verse 1. He goes on, he goes, look, here's another aspect of priorities and, and how we prioritize our life. Where your heart is, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also in verse 21. In verse 24, you cannot serve God and money or things. Look, these are all statements that help us understand that, look, there are priority choices you're going to have to make in life. And as Jesus is talking to us here in verse 33, he's saying, look, when it comes to priorities, you need to understand, I have a greater priority than anything else in this life. I want you seeking first my kingdom and my righteousness. You see, your worries reveal what your priorities are and who you think is in charge in life. As you stress about your kids, as you worry about your grades, as you stress about, you know, your job and your boss and what other people think of you, and, oh, I should be further along, and, oh, man, the economy, I thought it was going to bounce back by now, and I've got this, and, oh, we need to move, we need a bigger house. And and as you begin to look at the things that you struggle and, and worry and have anxiety over, what Jesus would want you to understand first is, look, this is revealing to you Your priorities in life and it's also revealing to you who you think is in charge because for every worry and every stress and every bit of anxiety I'm thinking that by me trying to figure this out by me holding on to this by me worrying about this I'm going to be able to change the outcome the fact is life isn't that simple most of life we can't control Most of the economy, most of the job stuff, most of the way our kids turn out, look, we can't control it all. And God is saying, look, understand this. When you look at your priorities and the things that you're worrying about in life, it's going to reveal to you who you think is ultimately in charge. And I'm coming to you and I'm saying, look, it's not just as simple as don't worry about anything. It's it's as simple as this. What is your greater priority in life? When you can come to me and you can say, you know what, God, you're my priority. Seeking your kingdom and your righteousness. What does that mean? I love that. It's such a good statement to to seek God's kingdom and righteousness. Does that mean we're all on some kind of Indiana Jones quest and, you know, we put on our caps, we grab our whips and we go out and we're looking for some lost kingdom, some mysterious bit of knowledge, some great boundaries that we don't know. No, seeking his kingdom and his righteousness is not some adventure quest. As a matter of fact, he's already talked about it in this chapter. If you go back, there's so much in the context here. I'd encourage you to go back through Matthew chapter 6 and read this whole chapter and then come to these final two verses. But in Matthew chapter 6, at one point, he teaches his disciples how to pray. You guys remember the Lord's Prayer? And right, if you remember in verse 9, how does that prayer start? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And what does he say? Thy kingdom come and Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You see, for Jesus, understand this, it wasn't about the physical boundaries of, of, of the kingdom of God. To him, the kingdom was wherever God's will was being done on earth as it is in heaven. Right, You bring that forward just a few verses later as he now says, look, you're to seek God's kingdom and his righteousness. His righteousness means the things that you do that are right according to what God wants in your life. What he's saying here is, look, there should be a priority in your life that in everything you do says, you know what, God, what is your will? What do you want from my life? Because when I can bring that into my life, God, I'm bringing the kingdom with me. That's where your kingdom extends. To wherever God's rule is reigning in my heart and my life, that's where his kingdom and his boundaries go, if you would. And what Jesus is laying out for us is a new way to look at life that says, you know what, it's not just about whether I have everything going my way or not. It's not just about whether I have all the things I want to happen in my life happen the way that I want them to happen and the timing that I want them to happen. That's not God being God. That's me being God and forcing God to do things my way. But he's saying, now look, my priority needs to be on saying, you know what? In everything that I do, God, what is your will? What is the way that you want me to do things? How do you want me to spend my time? When I begin to do that, I begin to realize that God will take care all of the rest. Everything that happens in my life, well, it's dedicated to Him. It comes from Him. Therefore, the results and how it all works out, well, that's Him. The pressure's on Him and not me. The stress and the worry, well, that's for God to handle, not me. You see, worry breaks us down. Worry wears us out worry brings us to the spot where we think we can control things that in the end only God can control. There's an old quote and I love it. I don't know exactly who it is. It's it's attributed to Corey Ten Boom and if you go back further to to Spurgeon and it's just one of the quotes I love in life and it says this, worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrows but only empties today of its strength. It's so true. When you spend your life worrying about things, when you spend your life stressing and trying to hold on to things, you're not gonna find that your life gets any better. You're not going to find that you get any stronger. Man, it breaks you down. It makes you weak. It makes you not want to try things. It makes you afraid to step out and do new things. It makes you afraid to to take the steps of faith that God calls you to take. It, It makes you try to control things that only God can control. And look, if you aren't willing to trust God and to put his will above yours, then that's exactly the life you should look forward to living. One of worry. One of stress. One of trying to control everything. One of looking every, at everyone around you and going, oh man, you should be doing things this way. Oh man, because for you, all of life exists for, for your will, your desires, and your purposes. But Jesus would say, hey, look, take a minute. Have you looked around and seen that I take care of everything? That, that whether your life is going well or not, whether things are perfect for you or not, look, the sun still shines outside. The rain comes and it waters the flowers, it it feeds the earth, and and I still take care of nature. I'm still going to take care of you. Do you get how much more precious you are to him than than these things outside nature? And if you're willing to come to this point where you acknowledge that he's God in your life, then you also have to be willing to say, you know what, God, what is your desire for how I'm living this life? Are you the one in charge or am I in charge? And Jesus would say, with that new priority of seeking me first, you're now going to come and live life in a whole different way. It's that way of saying, not my will be done, but thy will be done. God, I'm so, I'm so worried and stressed about my, this relationship or the election or my kids in college or what house I get or my retirement or these health problems. And Jesus comes to us and says, look, Most of that you can't change. And the only way you could change those things for the positive is by living the way that I want you to live in your life. By following the things that I want you to follow. You see, living this way doesn't make you lazy hippies for God, right? Who do nothing and sit around and just, you know, hang out at the beach and just play your bongos and and never contribute to society. No, don't work a day in your life. I don't know if that's what hippies were like. Sorry if if you guys remember it better. Um, But but look, it doesn't make you these lazy Christians who do nothing for God. It doesn't make you these people who who aren't useful to society. If anything, it makes you the most hardworking, beneficial people around. Because following God's will means when you hear God speak to you, and you will. You read the scriptures and you hear him say, like Colossians 3, work heartily as unto the Lord when he's talking to people who go to their jobs. Love your neighbor as yourself. Do good unto others. It's like by following what God wants for your life, you will become one of the most productive, like influential people you could be. Quite the opposite of a lazy hippie, but at the same time, you're someone who's realizing you know what? It all doesn't rely on me. God, it's on you. I'm called to seek you in all that I do, I'm called to give it to you first. And you'll find that God is there. You see, if you hold on to it, if you're sitting there with all your stress, in the end, I mean, it just breaks you down. It wears you out. I mean, you've all experienced it. I remember when I first started teaching in here. I was like early 30s. I was like so nervous of what what you guys I mean Pastor Dave's church and Pastor Dave is an amazing pastor and it's like his teaching is so awesome and I gotta go stand up there and pretend like I know what I'm talking about compared to him. This is like no way and and so I'm like looking at most of you guys and I've had your kids in the youth group I'm like how are they ever gonna like respect me? I'm be taking me like a grown up. I'm you know I and it's like the greatest moment came all of a sudden when I went through this passage I remember reading it and going, huh, I don't care what they think. No offense, like, I don't care what you think anymore. And I don't mean that in, a, in an offensive way, but it's like, you know what? If you gotta live your life worrying about what other people think of you, and we've all been there before, worrying about you know, the stresses of keeping up with someone else and, and worrying about you know, your kids and worrying about all these stresses and, and thinking it, it's all on you to reach some standard, to make things happen. Then understand this, God's not God to you. Jesus isn't your Lord. You are. But when I see those worries and stress, and I I still worry about what you guys think, I respect you, and, and you guys are my church family, and so I love to teach to you. I'm not saying I don't respect. Some guy walked out up to me after first service. He goes, glad to know you don't care about me at all. And I was like, I didn't mean it that way. I just, I mean, I do care. Obviously, I got notes here. I got a message. I sat down and wrote this out. What I'm saying is, look, I care though because the Lord loves you. And I care, though, and the results are all in the Lord. And if I can learn to bring God into my priorities, to make seeking Him the first goal and priority of my life, man, there's a big load off my shoulders. That stress, oh, it stops weighing me down. You see, we so often think of prioritizing life like, you know what, I'm going to, I remember when I was a little kid, and I've probably used this illustration before, but you know, you'd be in school and you'd make those little, maybe you made a pie chart or maybe you just made a list of all your favorite priorities in life. You know, teachers when you were younger had you do that, right? And the biggest part part of the pie goes to God. And then comes family. And then comes maybe school or work. And then comes, you know, and you make your priority list. The football game that's going on this afternoon. And then comes whatever else and you need baseball, and you you go on through the list. And it's like, we have all these areas and we tend to order life like that. But God would look at us and he'd go, look, it's not how I order life. It's not how I want you to order your life. I want you to look at that list and just say, it's Jesus first in everything. It's God first in my whole life. It's God first in my family. It's God first at my job or at school. It's God first with my neighbors It's God first and your kingdom first with with my, everything that I do with my finances, how I'm going to order that. It's not God, you're just some little part of the pie over here. I visit you on Sundays. I put a little money in the plate and, and we're good, right? I did what you wanted me to do. Jesus is saying, no, this is a whole new way of prioritizing your life. It's like, I call you to do all these things. I'm not saying nothing else is important in your life. I'm saying these are all so incredibly important that you have to put me first in them. It's seeking you first in all that I do and how I treat that waiter who maybe didn't pay any attention to me and was over on their phone the whole time and didn't refill my water. You, got, you want a tip? I got a tip for you. Let me, let me write down and tell you how to do your job, you know? And it's like, no, no, no. It's God first with that waiter. It's God first with your neighbor and their long weeds growing over into your yard and parking their car in front of your house. No, it's God first. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Look, the moment I can let go of all these things, I can stop stressing out. I can stop worrying. I can stop controlling things that I can't quite control, and I can start reflecting the type of God that he truly is. In the previous verse, in verse 32, he says, after all these things, talking about the external things, that's what the Gentiles seek. That's what people who don't know God worry about, seek after, trying to get even with others, trying to let everyone know their opinion on Yelp, trying to always tear down others, trying to always have things go perfectly in their world with the control that they have. But he goes, that's not our way. Our way is to seek first your kingdom and righteousness. And here's what I love. You feel like you're going to lose out. You're well, who's going to put them in their clothes? I'm going to get walked all over. I'm going to look at what he says at the end of verse 33. Seek first your kingdom and righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. I got it. Now, that's not a verse that says, whatever you want in life, if you come and do things my way, I'm going to give you it. You want your Rolls Royce? Come to church, you know, donate, tithe, and, and believe, and you're going to get it. It's not a verse that says, I'm going to give you everything you want in, in life. It's a verse that says, look, when I'm your priority, you're my priority, I'll take care of you. When I'm everything to you, don't worry, I've got all the other things. In the context, he's talking about your clothing. He's talking about people and their their image of each other. He's talking about um, your food. He goes, I'll take care of everything you need. You don't need to stress. But your real stress and worry should be about just following me. How do I spend my life serving you and seeking your kingdom, God? And then what I love is he goes, look, I'll take care of everything now. He gets to that cliche bit of obvious advice. Advice that maybe on the surface when I said it up front, you're like, don't worry about anything. You don't know my life, Lord. You don't know my stresses. You don't know what my kids are like or what my family's like or what my house is like or what I have these needs of. You don't know my bills. He goes, seek first my kingdom and my righteousness and I'll take care of everything. And then as he gets to verse 34, it makes it so natural now. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. And he's not saying trouble as in Here's bad things coming your way today. You better stress out about those. No, his whole point is don't stress. He's saying, look, there's enough things that you need to be doing today. There's enough problems that will pop up that God has solutions if you're seeking him for today. He goes, now, you get to this point where if you're seeking first my kingdom and righteousness, I don't need to worry about a thing. Because every little thing is going to be all right, as God would say. There's something natural about the way Jesus is saying this, and he's saying, look, I've got you. Look around and see how I take care of nature. Look around and see how I've been faithful to you. Those of you that have been walking with the Lord, you know. Just look at your own pastor like, wow, he has gotten me here today. And it may not always be easy, but man, what God does with us is is more than good. More than enough. I love how David summed it up over in Psalm 23, which you guys sang with Danny this morning. He said, you know, surely goodness and mercy, as he's reflecting on the house of the Lord, will follow me all the days of my life. It's like, God, wherever I go, I'm just dwelling on the fact that you are my shepherd and you take care of me. Such a great song for the message today. I know that everywhere I go, your goodness and your mercy are going to be there. That you're going to take care of me. That you're not going to leave me alone. And so as we wrap it up here, it kind of draws us to this natural question we should all ask ourselves as we look at this week ahead. And and really, it's a simple one. What am I worrying about? Maybe take some time this week to write down some of the, it's part of our our small group or discussion questions for home fellowships. And so I would encourage you to just do this on your own if you're not part of one of those. But take some time to write down some of the things that you stress out about. Make a list. And then go back through this passage and and ask the Lord, look, in all these things, Lord, how can you be my greatest priority? With my financial problems, how, Lord, am am I honoring you with the money that you give me? With my family, Lord, how am I putting you first in the way that I treat everyone, in the way that I stress over my kids? Am I giving them the grace that you give to me? With my job, Lord, how am I putting you first at my work? It doesn't mean that I'm looking for shortcuts and easy ways out and and, 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 and wasting time and, and avoiding doing the things I'm supposed to be doing or talking bad about my boss behind their back. Lord, how are you first at my work? And with all the stresses, as you begin to kind of work this in, you're going to find that, man, when your priority changes to God and his kingdom, those stresses begin to kind of fade away. You begin to learn that God's going to take care of you. He always has and he always will. So let's spend some time this week reflecting on this verse and seeking first his kingdom and righteousness. And, man, we'll see as a church how much stress and worry and anxiety kind of starts to fade away. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so very much that we can take this promise that you give us and we can kind of lay it on the foundation of what you've done for us. To know how much you love us, Jesus, as you've given your very life for us on that cross. That the the very premise of us trusting you as a God who takes care of us can ultimately be founded on a God who loves us so very much that he would give his, his only begotten son for us. Thank you, Jesus. Help us to hear your words and to not be offended by them, to not let it get under our skin, but to to let us work it out and to say, you know what, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to let go of some of these burdens and worries I've been holding on to. And I'm going to look to you because your goodness and your mercy will follow me all the days of my life. So, Lord, help help me to make it my focus to put you first in all the things that I do. Not because I have to, not because that's what gets me into heaven, not because I'm working to, to earn something from you, because, but because, the Lord, following you and putting you first is ultimately what's best for my life. So, Lord, we rest all of our lives in your hand. We recognize you're the only worthy one that could take care of us in the way that we need to be taken care of. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.